0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. We got to vote for Eric Man for you and me We all trust in Eric. Future trustee If you wanna see the candy stripe back in the promised land You best just vote for Eric so no who won't. who's your man? Hello, Ward.
1: Are you a trustee yet?
2: No, 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 no. It is just June 15th. By the time this airs, we are officially halfway through. We have reached the halfway point. How do I feel? You know, it's a bit like crawling in the dark. It's Mm -hmm. just, you just have no idea. Like, you put out all this stuff. I think we've got great videos and endorsements, or I should put it in air quotes, endorsements from people. Kind of endorsements. Yeah, kind of endorsements. And you feel good about it, and they seem to get good reaction. I think people are liking them, but you just have no idea if anybody's voting for you. I mean, some people on Twitter and Pigs have been great saying that they voted and they got their families to vote. A lot of people have said that they're voting for the first time in like 30, 40 years as an IU alum, so that makes me Uh, happy and humbled and flattered but i don't know i mean every day that goes by i want it more
1: (laughs) well you've got you've got more skin in the game more hours in the game more heart in the game and to your point i've had a bunch of people tell me that they voted but if you take all the people who told you that all the people who told me that it's uh A hundred, maybe 200.
2: God, I don't know. That seems like high.
1: Yeah, I mean, it does. So you hope that's indicative of a, a wider trend. But to your point, you just don't know. So make
2: sure that you go to epfortrustee.com forward slash vote if you have not voted yet. Voting goes on for the next 15 days till the end of the month, but we need every single vote we can get. Please tell your friends, your family, even enemies, frenemies, enemies, I don't care, that went to Indiana, that have a degree, to vote epfortrustee.com forward slash vote. Please. I'm
1: not above begging. I'm not. And look, if they say no... They don't want to do it just ask them for the last four of their social and and what year they graduated and do do it for them yeah it, it'll be it's it's
2: one small offense to one person and one giant benefit
1: to who's your kind actually i mean i realize i just on air like totally in, encouraged cheating <laughs> so let's just yeah. say to be clear we were just joking about that part use a different pronoun I was just joking about that part. I'm (laughs) winking
2: by the way. We're in mid June and it's time to roll with basketball recruiting. Right now, Mm. as we record this, Mm. and as we uh, air this, Kyle Filipowski, my brother from another mother because of the last name. Sure. And Jimmy Chitwood, Justin Taylor are on campus,
1: on official visits. I mean, this is it. Are you are you when you say this is it, I know your mind goes to if we don't get these two guys, coach Woodson's not going to work out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: any piece of bad news means the end is is nigh. I mean, sure. that's that's how it works in my head. But look, this is real recruiting. Look, the Tamar Bates thing, Scoop, who we of course are in love with, Miller Cop, who we of course are in love with, Michael Durr, who we just don't know that well yet. I would love to get him on the show. But those were so unique. It was the transfer portal for Durr and Miller. It was this weird three-week recruitment for Scoop where you know Shaka went up to Marquette. And there just weren't that many schools that had spots and there weren't that many schools that he was really considering, you know, so it was just weird, but this is real big boy recruiting. Kyle Filipowski and, and Justin Taylor are being recruited by Duke and North Carolina and Syracuse and Iowa. I mean, come on, who are they kidding? why, Why bring them up? I know Ohio state, like this is the real deal. And if he can land one, I, I mean, I will just lose my mind. If he can land both, honestly, Ward, I don't know. My head will just pop off my shoulders.
1: <laughs> we, we need to be recording when the news breaks. Well, Rabbi's going to have to give us a 5 minutes heads up so we can hit the record button.
2: I know. Like, I, I just don't know. I don't know if I have the governor on my emotions to handle if both those guys have ended up committing to Indiana.
1: I can certainly imagine the tweet where you're in your backyard or neighborhood and uh, there's lots of screaming and yelling and, and dancing. Shaky camera work. Yeah. Dancing. Um, I think it's, it's so intriguing with a changing of the guard at Duke and at North Carolina and at Indiana. You know, and I know Duke's not for another year, but you could even look like how much longer is Beheim going to hold on? You know, and and look, Woody's older, so we all know he's not our guy for the next twenty or thirty years. But these these recruits don't care; they care about the next two or three years, right? You know, and so it's going to be really interesting to see how even with these other programs with much greater, more recent success. Uh, hey, that's a that's a hey that's a thirty year old kid taking over that program. Hey, that's a guy who's never been a head coach anywhere. Certainly not in the NBA. You know, I feel like we can start being a very serious contender. Where we would always, oh, you know, I think if if it was still Roy and it was still Coach K saying, "I'm going to be your coach. I'll be your guy here," where this is the most. Uh, exciting opportunity, both from them being uncertain and us having a stud like Coach Woody on this end, who can, who because of who he is, makes up for what our program has been lately.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, when Archie Miller was recruiting guys against Duke in North Carolina, what was
1: his argument? <laughs> yeah, they have uh, way more talent than we do.
2: You ever been to little side rooms? <laughs> I mean like it's it just it's just not even a fair fight and now look man Hubert Davis replacing a legend doesn't really work ask Matt John Shire,
1: huh ask Matt Doherty.
2: yes John Shire replacing a legend has not worked you know how we know because we tried it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it didn't work a plague just, on both your houses the only one that I think you could point to as really working, and it was a very different situation and a different time, was Izzo from Judd Hathko. Totally. And, I mean, I know Judd won a national championship with, with uh, Magic Johnson. I get it. But Michigan State was not some, like, legendary program. You know, they weren't. They no. had won a national championship with Magic, but it wasn't like Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, Bob Knight, Like, it was nothing like that. John Thompson, even, at Georgetown. It just doesn't work. It is – it's very difficult. Not that it can't work, but it's difficult. And if I'm a kid who wants the promise of Duke, and I'm like, well, how do I know this is going to work out? Like, I'm never going to play for Coach K. Whereas, well, that guy played in the NBA and coached in the NBA for a whole ton of years. I'm going to go there. I just – I, I, it's a, it's at least a fight now. You know what I yeah. mean? It at mm-hmm. least feels like we've got gloves on and we're in the ring and now it's up to them to close. And this is the first time where it's put your big boy pants on and these are real official visits, you know, and th- these official visits are going to go a long way in determining if these kids come to Indiana. So I am like dying for any piece of news out of them. Any, any slight, uh, did they, where did they eat? They had to go to Buffaloes, right? By the way, They had to go to Buffaloes. If I was a fan, I mean, what is it today, Tuesday? If I was a fan at Bloomington, I would just park at Buffalo's like midday off just park there. You know, that almost every time it seems like they bring guys by Buffaloes. I would go there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you going there, I'm just not convinced that's what's best for the program.
2: You're talking about me personally. Yes. 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 I agree with you, but I'm saying if (laughs) I was one of those people that are more sane and just not as off-putting in person, I would go there. If you, if you were a student in Indiana right now and you found out Justin Taylor and Kyle Filipowski are in town and you could make them feel like superstars. Well, wouldn't you just want to go find them?
1: Yeah. Just like if you're a a very attractive co-ed, just walk by and be like, we hope you come here. And then just keep walking. Like, great just do everybody do their part
2: maybe i mean i i think if you're even a non-attractive person you go into buffaloes and you start a kyle filipowski chant filipowski sure justin yep. taylor i mean yeah. you just you just roll it like that's yeah. what you got to do that's again what you somebody
1: do. with good hygiene does that i think it's a big It's a a big lift.
2: Plus, by the way, what's the worst that can happen? You spent a couple hours at Buffaloes and you had amazing wings
1: and fries. Yeah, no, that can just be your excuse to go pig out at Ed's place. It is um, potentially, you know, a month, uh, these visits this month that not potentially certainly will have reverberations for the next several seasons. You know, whether those guys come or not will always be like, yeah, thank God we got those guys. Or, oh boy, we're really missing those guys. Ward, I'm
2: going to say this, and I, I do mean it. You and I talked over a year ago, maybe two years ago, and we did Reasonable rabby episodes on it, and you and I talked about it. And we said, the 2021 recruiting class is it for Archie. Mm-hmm. That is it. And it was. If, if he nails it, He's got a chance. Right. Getting them doesn't guarantee winning. Okay. Cause then you got to develop them and fit the pieces together and coach them. But not getting talent, it's over. It's we've done this before about the screenplay. You can make a really great movie out of a great screenplay. You cannot make a real and you can make a really bad movie out of a great screenplay. You cannot make a really good movie out of a shitty screenplay. No. You cannot make a really good basketball team out of shitty players. You can't. Can't be done. You need good talent. The 21 class, had Archie nailed Caleb first and Trey Kaufman, they would have given him rope that they didn't give him on this year. The window is shorter for Mike Woodson. The contract is shorter. He's older. Scott Dolson has made it clear we've got to win and we've got to win now. The transfer portal being open this year and going forward with a one-time waiver changes everything. This 2022 class is it. Like he cannot, he cannot fail. I'm not saying he has to be number one in the country. Right. I'm just
1: saying it's gotta be a really good class. I'll agree with that. I think the only caveat I'd put in there is, well, uh, what if he gets the team out onto the court this fall that he has, and they're amazing. And maybe he missed on a couple of these guys this summer. We really had our hearts set on, but then when, all the 23s see what he's doing with his team right now. It, it like, it could elevate the profile even further, a little proof in the pudding. So then the 23s could come in and, you know, uh, still in the heart of his tenure, make a real impact. So
2: maybe, but (laughs) he's got to get some guys this year. Like it's not going to be a good look if we miss out on Taylor and Filipowski and Jalen Washington and like, there's like four or five guys that are big time guys. And look, I'm not denigrating CJ gone and Caleb banks, but those guys, like we've gotten those guys before. Okay. We, that's what Archie was getting to guys in the hundreds who knows what they're turning into. Like, you know, you get an Armand Franklin who exploded, but you know, you get a lot of other ones that just are kind of like there or end up transferring. You know, we need dudes like we know this now empirically. So I do think he's look, the 22 kids are playing in his second year. It's only a six year deal. And as you know, you don't get six years to prove yourself. No. I mean,
1: Scott Dolson laid it out. Archie got four, right? Yeah. Yes. You know, but but he's not going to give Woody more. Well, but if if Woody's clearly getting better every year. Oh, sure.
2: It, it's, uh, agreed. It, but you gotta yeah. get dudes for that. That that's my point. Like, he can't go good, terrible, stay there. He, like, these first few years are really important. And I don't I think anybody will
1: argue. About. I no. need
2: something to get worked up about. So that's what I'm I'm saying. 2022 is key. Seems like we've got an end with some of these kids. And by the way, here's the other thing, Ward. Hmm. the state of indiana the recruiting classes for 2022 and 23
1: suck i mean it seems a little bit early to pull the plug on 23 i mean you talk to rabbi and
2: mike and they tell you it's not even close to where the other regions of the country are
1: and compared to other indiana classes it's weak and this is the other point in terms of like 22 being the be all and end all there is just a shit ton there's like a 100 top 100 guys in the class of 23 rough you know what i mean there's, there's like 80 100. top 80 <laughs> wait, across well wait, maybe
2: no yep, yep. eighty. if 80 my math is 80. correct yes it so
1: is it's on it's a lot a lot less desperate feeling for me in terms of like well there's only three good guys in state and if we don't get two of them we're screwed it's like there is a much wider net now because of both coach Woodson's profile and where each of the assistants hail from and the connections they have so I do feel like there there is going to be uh, more possibilities to pull in nationally ranked top 10 top 20 recruiting classes cuz I do feel if you're not getting top 10 top 20 recruiting classes then you need to be an absolute genius of a ball coach to have a top 10 or top 20 basketball program.
2: Yeah. I'm with you. Don't wait till 2023 to get them. Let's get a couple of them this year. And by the uh, way, yeah. Jalen Washington, Kyle Filipowski, Justin Taylor. I think those are like the big three. Then there's that Trimble kid, but that doesn't seem real at all. That seems to be fading. I agree. And then there's like Caleb Banks who seems like we could get him if we really wanted him. I mean, we're his best offer, but those three, it does seem like, I mean, it does seem like you got to get one. It feels like the 21 recruiting class with first and Kaufman and Wesley. It was like, you got to get one, at least
1: two. Originally originally Lander (laughs) was in that class. I know, but we're over that. The
2: 21 class had those three guys. And then there was Brooks Barnheiser and, you got to get one. Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't get one. That was a problem. And then these, the big three, it feels like we got to get one. And if you get two, well then just start, you know, melting the bronze to build the stature.
1: Well, I feel like, what's that? Is that what they do? They melt the bronze? Um, I don't know how else you would shape gotta, it right it's not it's not clay it doesn't start soft and then it hardens. you don't like
2: get a giant thing of bronze and chip away at it and then sand it
1: i, I haven't done that much bronze sculpturing
2: <laughs> but what Scul- you have done
1: your experience is you melt it and pour Correct. it into a mold of some sort that's right that's right you just kind of have a huge um what would you call one of those things witches put their bruise into it a cauldron a big a cauldron, cauldron. Do you think they call it a cauldron? I bet they do. Doesn't that not seem a, like-
2: Not a vat? Uh,
1: that sounds more like something for beer. I feel like a cauldron has more of like a metal turgy right. sort of
2: sound to it. What do you think you and I would have to do to get a bronze statue of us put up at Indiana University? Is there anything within our power that we could do to get a bronze statue of either one of us at Indiana?
1: Uh, I don't think either of us have enough money to donate because that's that's the uh, we would literally have to buy
2: them. It would be a good prank if you could do like a good fake bronze and put it right next to Herman B. Wells <laughs>
1: sitting on the bench. yes. <laughs> That would be a really good prank. You just, we, we should just do the whole street performer thing where we paint each other bronze and then we just sit there next to them. And when students come to take pictures, we move and frighten them.
2: I like the ones that put that thing in their mouth that make the noise that makes them sound like a robot when they move. So it goes like...
1: <laughs> I like that. That's a good bit. Uh, I see a future Twitter videos on our next trip to Bloomington. Um, so look, the other thing,
2: I was all over Pigs today because sure. why? First, the announcement of you know, the, I think the announcement of Filipowski and, and Justin Taylor was all over Pigs mm-hmm. that they were there. But the other thing was, Rabbi got an exclusive interview with Jeremy Fears on video talking about his visit to Indiana, and Rabbi went to Joliet, Illinois. Now. I do always get a little worried when Rabbi does these visits cuz it just makes me think of Darius Garland.
1: Well, Especially when Rabbi references time. Oh, so, you don't remember that? No, no. I I what I know there was all the like we, he was misled and his dad was well, a dick, but it, Darius it,
2: Garland came to Hoosier hysteria. It was the same year as Romeo. They got walked across the floor when Indiana was willing to take a secondary violation for it, which they did, by the way. But by the way, that was the best secondary violation ever. Like that was so baller, seeing these recruits being walked across the length of the floor and the crowd going nuts. I was like, we just got to do that every year. Turns out it was a violation. I still think they should do it every year. and Garland was there and his mom and dad, and they raved about Indiana. And then like two days later, Rabbi's like, I'm going to Tennessee for a private workout. And I'm not going there by accident, you know? It was all the rabbiisms, and everybody was worked up. And his dad tells me this dad. And the kid then announces that he's going to Vanderbilt and he announces his list and Indiana wasn't even in the top three. And it was, the dad just totally misled to up the profile of his son. You know, maybe to create more stir, maybe to get some more scratch, more Skrilla, more paper, more dollar bills, dollar, dollar, bills from wherever he ended up in Vanderbilt. Who knows why he did that? And it burned Rabbi. And then, of course, the Peegs universe explodes and blames Rabbi for it.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> the so- messenger, messenger is often killed.
2: Yes, so anytime Rabbi is going to see a recruit at their high school with the dad involved, it just harkens back to Mr. Garland. And that is not a good feeling. But I watched the video interview, this kid loved Indiana. He said Mm -hmm. it was incredible. He talked about being coached by a guy in the NBA. You know, my favorite part was when Rabbi goes, you know, I got to watch you work out today and you were really focused. You seem like a guy who's just really focused and down to business when it's time to work out and you take it really seriously. Am I right on that or am I off base? What does he think the kid is going to say? Oh, no, 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 dude, you're totally off base. I don't give a shit about any (laughs) of this stuff. Focused? Hell no. I don't care one iota. It was such a funny, like, Am I on base? It was just searching for somebody to go, oh no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm focused. Good, good instinct on your part. Poor Rabbi. Poor
1: Rabbi. We will we will find, no matter what it is, something to pick on for Rabbi because we know he can take it and have a great sense of humor about it. But every everything prior to the interview, with the interview, I think you over time, certainly in LA in this industry, you develop. Uh, an ear and instinct for when somebody's placating you with platitudes and niceties and not wanting to hurt your feelings or make you think you're out of the running. And then you can tell when the adjectives being used, the the passion, the intent behind the word is like, oh no, this person's serious. They are interested. They like what we have to offer. And it just seems like this guy and his family was really impressed. I haven't seen him do interviews for other schools or what he said about other schools. We've done everything we can do. The staff, the university is is what it is. These guys seem to love it. And let's just hope they love it more than any other place they love.
2: And also let's hope they realize the strength and the wonder, the magic, of being powered by...
0: Peaks, peaks,
1: peaks, peaks, peaks,
2: I mean, it is a fun time of year to be a Pigs.com premium member. It is just a fun time, man. We got Bahamas are in two months, Mm. two months. Indiana goes down to the Bahamas, less than 60 days away from their first game.
1: And so those 10 practices are preceding their departure. Do they, they count for anything going on in the Bahamas? Is any kind of walkthroughs there considered a practice?
2: That's a good question. I guess if they practice down there it would be considered one of the 10 but I you feel know like,
1: hold- a, a, like a week out of the Bahamas is when we're going to start hearing how practices are going.
2: I think 2 weeks out truthfully. I think they'll probably spread 10 practices over, you know, a couple weeks here, give them days off, you know. Who knows how they're going to structure it, but it's so exciting that these guys are going to be playing competitive basketball in August. And the recruiting live period is on. Official visits are happening. And then remember in a week, I think it's next weekend, right? Coaches go out and view, evaluate.
1: Yeah. Then we we'll, then pigs will be telling us which of our coaches went where, where are we in full force? When is it just, you know, one of the assistants and all the tea leaves will be read by everybody.
2: Totally. And I think it's going to be really important because where are like, we've got Justin Taylor and Kyle Filipowski on campus you're going to have some sense of how it went and how some sense of how his other visits go. How many people are we bringing to each of their games? You know, cause I think if you get the word that you're not in the running, you don't send as many, but if you feel like we got a chance to close this, you go three deep on these guys. That sounds awful. I realize that <laughs> I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to move on, but it's, it's the best time of the year uh, to be on pigs because Sports are so slow unless you're a giant, you know, NBA fan right now, um, and obviously a lot of Pacers fans that that follow Hoosier Hysterics have nothing to root for in the NBA playoffs except rooting against Paul George. Yep,
1: yeah, yeah, so, that is that is the strongest, uh, the 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 brightest burning fire I feel emotionally. It's like even you know because I was like, right, the,
2: rooting against Paul George means rooting against Yogi.
1: Well. If Yogi were playing more, that would maybe counteract it. But Kawhi just doesn't really have a personality to get excited about. Um, I would happily be pulling for the Clippers as a, you know, an all time underdog, except the two killers they brought in. Kawhi's already got a couple and I like watching him play. Uh, But yeah, it's just too bad Yogi got stuck with those guys. I gotta tell you, if you
2: made me do a list of top ten guys I enjoy watching play basketball in the NBA, Kawhi Leonard would not be on that list.
1: I uh, I think I would just because when he's going, it's just I love, I'm gonna say Kevin Durant, I enjoyed watching wh- play basketball. Oh, oh we're before. going all time. Kevin Durant is playing right now. Oh, sorry. I heard Kevin Garnett. I don't know oh. why I heard Kevin <laughs> Kevin Garnett that's really weird. Yeah. Dur- okay, Durant great. Like
2: Dur- All right, so I like Durant. I like Steph Curry. Yeah. I like um Luka Doncic. Yep. I like uh I like uh a kid from Atlanta. Trey. Trey, what's his last name? Young. Trey Young. I like Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I like watching Donovan Mitchell play more. I like watching Nikola Jokic Jokic play better.
1: I like <laughs> watching
2: I like watching Damian Lillard better. Yep. Damian Lillard is so much fun to watch. Yeah. I, I don't like him, but Kyrie Irving's game is really fun to
1: watch. When you said Durant, I'm like, yeah, Irving, you know, he kind of drives me crazy uh, with his antics, but man, he finishes man, his handle so good. I do like watching him play.
2: I love watching him. I like watching Joel Embiid play when he's healthy and playing. I like his game. He can do everything. I mean we gotta be close to 10 right now.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't put Embiid in front of Kawhi, but you're 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 you know your close. point is made. Your I'm point getting is
2: close. Made. I just because of his personality, he's such a dolt.
1: Yeah, no, it I just, mean they literally
2: had a shot of him the other night, and he
1: was like <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, he doesn't give good camera, but just the way when he he is on and he often is when it counts the most, which is part of it too. And just the way that shot, it's so freaking flat, but you just know it's going in. And and the same way some of these other great players that have some size, like Luca, uh can just play at their own speed. And and it seems slowed down. But the fact is they're so strong and so in control. Yeah, nobody can do anything to stop it. But anyway, a lot Anyways, of listeners look, already
2: got... Juwan Morgan is still playing for the Utah Jazz. So I am rooting hard for Utah to win the championship because if If Juwan Morgan gets an NBA ring, that is awesome. I mean, that is just so awesome.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, and look, we understand why Mike Connelly didn't didn't come to IU. I'm still a little bitter about it. I'll just always be a little bit bitter when an Indiana kid doesn't go there. But anyway, if they can get him healthy, because I do think, you know, he's kind of the missing sort of a, a missing ingredient there. I don't know. Phoenix looks so good, though. I mean, I like watching Booker play.
2: I like watching Devin Booker play much Chris, better than I watch and Chris Kawhi Paul Latter.
1: for that matter.
2: Both of them, I like watching better than than and, Kawhi and
1: Ayton has just been pretty amazing against Joker. Anyway, yeah. look, the listeners are already going to get mad. We spent this much too much NBA about the NBA. Just, it's much better to be on Pigs and just reading everything on Pigs than any of that. I totally agree. Uh, and now we got a really interesting
2: interview today. You know we. I think in the history of our show, I can think of one non-Hoosier we've brought on the show.
1: Van Gundy? Yes. Oh, Billis. It was Billis Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Billis. If it's not an Indiana Hoosier, it's one of the biggest names in basketball commentary.
2: Yes. (laughs) So, uh... Yeah, but this case is a little different. I mean, this guy is really interesting because of what he's done in his business career that is directly related to collegiate athletics. And I feel like it's a topic that everyone is talking about. And I, we set it up a little bit more when we talked to him, so I'll let him do that. But I love, you know, for our own personal edification, this was really enlightening. And and I hope our audience sticks around and checks it out because what we're talking about is coming and it's going to change a lot.
1: It's and I will just sum it up as this, it's the biggest change in college athletics in our lifetime.
2: Yeah, that's fair.
1: And And probably nothing's even close. No, and I don't know when like cost of attendance came into effect, how long ago that was, but I just learning about that was a whole thing. Um, That was going to change it forever and amateurism. Well, this is the only thing uh, in the history of the NCAA that's come close. So in like a century of college sports, this is the second or maybe ends up being the most ground moving, shaking change in the whole landscape of, of, of the sport. So I think it's really important. We all know what's about to happen to our beloved college basketball.
2: And specifically how it impacts Indiana. And I think the listeners will like to hear how this could positively impact Indiana because we're in a unique place
1: to take advantage of this. So with that said, let's get to it. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know what we do here? We entertain you. Today, though, we're taking it next level. We're going to educate you, inform you. Well, not us, actually. It's our guest who's going to do these things along with the entertainment aspect. Eric, details, please, on who's with us today.
2: I'm glad you clarified that we will not be doing the educating because anyone coming to us for education is already lost. It's, it's already over for them. Well, listen, we are really excited to have this gentleman on because he sits at the epicenter of the hottest topic in all of collegiate athletics – And I'm sure you all have heard these initials thrown out there on message boards, on tweets, with pundits talking about it. You've probably heard some Congress people talking about it. This has affected everyone from athletes to athletic directors to state legislators to federal legislators. And of course, we're talking about NIL, name, image, likeness. And the gentleman we're talking to right now is better equipped to talk about what it is, when it's coming, how can it help, What are the rules? Uh, How big of an impact is it going to make? And we just are thrilled to be able to talk to him about it because it has dominated so much of the collegiate sports conversation for the last really couple of years. But we are talking to a gentleman who hails from Kansas City by way of Nebraska, where he did play football from 2007 to 2009. His career was cut short due to injury. And rather than wallow in his injury and athletic career ending, although maybe he did that for a while, he did land in founding a company, co-founding it with a buddy of his from Nebraska as well, a company called Open Doors, which has really become the leader in figuring out a platform for how NIL will work. Working with athletes, working with agents, working with the NCAA, working with state uh, and local and federal legislators. And this gentleman's gonna be able to tell us everything about it. And the most important thing, how's it gonna help Indiana get better players in all of our sports? Because that's really what we care about. So with no further ado, let's welcome Blake Lawrence. (laughs) All right. So, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I need to clap because you guys, if that's the
3: hype up of the, of the day, of the decade, uh, Morgan Humphrey, one of my buddies, diehard uh, Hoosier fan, said, hey, when you come on the show, you're going to love these guys. And Eric, we had a chance to chat um, yes. last week. And, and, uh, and I ruined all that. It was Yeah, you really let me down. And uh, so this is where I bow out and step up. But no, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited to dive in. I mean, NIL is everywhere right now. We are weeks away from it becoming a reality in college sports. So every listener in this market needs to understand how it's going to impact the Hoosiers. So I'm ready to dive in.
2: Well, well, let's start with your origin story. Uh, we would love to know how you go from growing up in Kansas City, becoming a football player for one of the most storied football programs in the country, and then found a company that is simply the leader in this space. So give us your story. Well, you know, you mentioned that those Kansas City roots and I know that
3: the theme of the show, you guys get to dive deep into the, the background of some of these these Hoosiers. And I'm gonna give you some background on a Husker. And I know that this is the first of many Huskers you guys plan on having no, on.
2: no, no, no. First is correct. First of many is where you went wrong. Oh, First boy. and last. That's uh-huh. what
3: you got. Well, at least I earned, uh, earned the opportunity. You know, Nebraska
2: <laughs> hasn't earned much
3: opportunity in the Big Ten lately. Um, we've been in this this conference for a decade and can't find our way to a, a winning season. So uh, I apologize for Nebraska's poor performance on the field. But let me tell you, let me talk you all the way back. Like Growing up in Kansas City, uh, my older brother played uh quarterback you know, and at just a year older than me, he ended up going to Kansas on a full ride scholarship to play football at Kansas and growing up in his shadow uh, had always dreamed of getting out and, and being my own guy and uh, was fortunate to get recruited across the country to play linebacker um, and ended up at Nebraska on a, you know, a, a visual visit. And I kind of figured out why all those Kansas and Kansas state fans never quite liked Nebraska football because they had it all, man. Uh, 90,000 fans in the stands every day since 1962 and all the facilities and love that you could ever imagine in a football program. So I committed to Nebraska and six months later, uh, we're back home for Christmas. And my brother is getting prepared to go to the Orange Bowl. Kansas went 12 and one won the Orange Bowl in 2007. And I was prepared to sit on the couch and do nothing. Uh, our head coach had just gotten fired, Bill Callahan, and I'm wondering what twilight zone am I in? <laughs> you guys know Kansas football is not supposed to be good. Nebraska football is not supposed to be bad. So where are we at? Um, my career at Nebraska was fantastic. Like Bo Pelini came in, played. Uh, I ended up starting at linebacker as a sophomore. I played as a true freshman for Bill Callahan, started at linebacker as a sophomore, uh, midway through sophomore year, uh, you know, woke up the starting linebacker and, and went to bed knowing I could never play football again. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And uh, I'd suffered four concussions in a little over a year. And yeah, I know that you concussions are kind of more well-known today. A decade ago is it was kind of like this new thing and uh, not a new thing, but basically like, Hey, we should probably start taking a look at this. And I was forgetting my, my name and people's uh, names. I definitely forgot the plays. So uh, decided to step away from the game. And from that point, forward from really that moment where I stopped playing football in Nebraska to this podcast recording right now, my whole professional career has been dedicated to helping athletes realize this doesn't last forever, hmm. right, uh, and, and using technology to help as many athletes as possible take advantage of whatever window of opportunity they have, whether they spend a day in the league or a decade in the league or they're on campus for a semester um, or all the way through their senior year, like it, it's uh, important that student athletes and, and professional athletes have help uh, maximizing opportunities. And uh, within a year of being done at Nebraska, I started my first company, which is a marketing agency that we helped uh, businesses, brands, and athletes. Um, and then in 2012, started Open Doors, which is now uh, really built this thing to help one athlete back in 2012 and. Now, 40,000 athletes around the world use open-risk products every day. So, uh,
2: Blake, can you talk about that, though, for a second? Because yeah. you say it started with one athlete. I think it's interesting to know. It started with a professional athlete, correct?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep.
2: So, so walk us through what what that professional athlete wanted and what you were able to provide for him.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, one of my best friends at Nebraska is a gentleman, uh, Prince Amukamara, if you know the name. He came out in 2011 NFL draft, got drafted first round to the New York Giants, and you know, he gave me a call a couple a couple of weeks after the draft, and I had this marketing agency go in, and Audie Canalic is my business partner who played football in Nebraska and also went on to play in the NFL. So Audie and I started this marketing agency, and Prince gave me a call. And on this call, he asked me four questions that would forever change my life and really set the foundation for Open Doors. And the these four questions, though, as, as listeners, you can imagine, put yourself in the shoes of... Uh, a, a student athlete on campus at, at Indiana right now, or maybe you put yourself in the, the uh, coach's chair and you're sitting there and a student athlete walks up to your door and knocks on the door and they ask you these four questions, right? And, and, I'll, and I'll take you back in time, 10 years ago, this is me on a phone call with Prince Mukamara. And he says, hey, Blake, can you help me understand my brand? You know, we understand, like, what is NIL? What is name, image, and likeness? What does this mean? Like, what am I? So, what happens is these athletes that go through this journey and they get to the professional ranks and they get an agent and a marketing rep and a publicist. And they're like, hey, man, we're going to build your brand. We're going to get your, your brand all big. And he's like, well, what is a brand? Most athletes don't even know what it is, right? It's not, there's not a class at, at IU that says uh, athlete branding, right? This just doesn't right. exist. There might be in the future, there's not right now, but. So number one, question, number one question, can you help me uh, you know, understand my brand? And then the second question was, can you help me build my brand? So can you help me become more marketable? Can I get more fans, more followers? Can I be worth more, uh, help me build my brand? Uh, and then Prince asked me a third question. He said, can you help me protect my brand? Like, I was like, what do you mean by that? It was well. the, the giants have rules. The NFL has rules, the NFL PA has rules. You know, my agent has rules and, and I got to follow all these rules. So I got to market myself, but I can't do this. I can't do that. I got to do this. And that's when you start to realize that athletes play by a different set of rules than most others. Um, and then the final thing was, can you help me monetize my brand? That was the fourth question. Can you help me make money? And in that conversation with Prince, I realized that, you know, while there is so much infrastructure, he's one of the biggest agencies in the world. He's in the biggest market in the world uh, with New York City, and he's in the you know, most popular sports league in the United States and the NFL, NFLPA, his agency and his team weren't helping him understand, build, protect and monetize his brand, uh, not every day. So I said, what if we built an app for Prince that would help him understand his brand every day and, and provide him photos and videos so he could build his brand on social media and then you know, help him understand the rules that he has to follow for all the different folks. And then finally, you know, make it really easy for brands and fans to pay him to do things. Right. And um, so we built open doors, this, this company for Prince, and he showed it to a teammate or two. And um, we're off to the races rather quickly in terms of the growth of the company. And it has been rather quick as of late with NIL around the corner, but that's the, the origins. And it's been fun to, to reminisce over the last decade of what we've been able to do.
1: So that was, you were clearly in a safe space there with professional athletes. Now, I don't know if it's sort of coincidental as you were starting to figure out the new direction of your life. Ed O'Bannon was suing the NCAA for uh, putting his likeness on a video game that he saw no money from. But if you could kind of chart for us Open Doors, Open Doors' growth along with this idea of ncaa athletes should be getting compensated how did how did those kind of parallel and then merge together Uh, well you know what's interesting and this is something i
3: I hope that this gentleman is not going to listen to this Hoosier hysterics podcast um so one of the uh the names you need to know is sam keller do you know the name sam keller no No. all right good well uh sam keller was our starting quarterback in nebraska 2007 we went five and seven he was a transfer from arizona state and he came in and Good dude, way cool dude, right? I mean, gosh Lee, guys, you know when you come on, on campus as a freshman? Again, everyone that's listening was a freshman in high school at one point. And you like see the seniors, like that's the coolest dude I've ever seen, right? So I come in <laughs> and Sam Keller wears an arm sleeve. He's tatted up. He wears a sleeve on his other arm. Like I'm like, we're gonna win every game by fifty points. <laughs> we he he unfortunately threw the ball with a, a more of a shot put form and and usually hit the other team more than our our team, but <laughs> <laughs> Sam Keller sued EA sports. And that's why no one in the uh, world can play NCAA college football anymore. The video wow. game. Wow. So Sam and Sam Keller. So that was my introduction to this concept of NIL rights personally was when I got uh, paid out from the class action lawsuit against the NCAA. And I, I think I got like five, six grand. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like the payouts, this is super random. I don't know. this topic has probably never been discussed on who's your hysterics. So, um, <laughs> but the payout was based on how many years, uh, your identifiable NIL was in the game. So I played three seasons at Nebraska. So I, I got paid off for three years and to make it identifiable, like my number on the official roster had to match the number of, of the, the little digital dude of the game. And like, they were getting so specific. Like I was from Kansas city in the game. Like I was my exact height and weight mm. and Boys, I, I think you'll believe this. I was an 85 overall. So. Oh, nice. nice! Yeah, I got up there. Now I got up there. <laughs> That's good.
2: Now, I'm just curious. Were the payouts at all based on performance, or were they only on years of like only you just said- time in the game?
3: Time in the game. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it, you know, Audie, my my business partner, was in, in there for four years, and he got paid more. He got because right. Um, yeah, and then there was a couple times, like a couple guys that they just got their number wrong. And they're like, oh, that's not you like mm. uh, my position, my hometown, but it's like, yeah, oh, it's not you. So that's interesting. Yeah. But, um, so that was my introduction to NIL rights was this concept of like, Oh wait, yeah, I guess we were in the game. And, and I guess this concept of, oh, well, you got to pay people to use their right, you know, their rights of publicity and media. And that didn't dovetail into like why we started open doors or anything like that. But, um, so we started this company to help professional athletes understand, build, protect, and monetize their brand. And uh, we got into working with college athletics after going three years in and realizing that the majority of athletes that were working in the pro space, they were starting to fall behind like the creator economy, the influencer economy, these celebrities. Like if anyone is listening, like you scroll through your Instagram feed and you're gonna see some some. Uh, influencer, some creator, some celebrity that's like posting videos and photos, and they're in your feed every day. They're in your Instagram story every day. They're in Twitter every day, and they're creating so much content, and it's so that they get in front of you. They're beating the algorithm. They know how to play the game, right? And in 2015, we realized that most athletes weren't sharing enough content on social media. Like The average athlete shares six pieces of content on social media a month, Hmm. right? The average influencer shares six a day. The average sports team shares 30 a day. Whoa. Yeah. So like athletes are way behind and we realized that most of them just didn't have access to content. So when we thought about what's the best source of content to keep athletes engaged with their audience uh, you look at the data, 30% of an athlete's social media following comes from their alma mater.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: We started to go to schools and say, Hey, as an institution, like Indiana, Indiana, Indiana started off by using, they weren't using Open Doors to send content to their student athletes. It was all for the alumni. Wow. Right? Like, what's the running back, the beast that uh, was at UAB, came to Indiana or vice versa? Howard.
2: Yeah, Jordan, right. Howard. Jordan Howard.
3: Jordan Howard was like the very first dude. Linnea Phillips started to like load up photos and videos and send it to alumni. Right? And so we started to work with these colleges so they could help their alumni market themselves because those alumni, the more they market themselves, the more attractive they were to brands. So if you go to Jordan Howard's feed, you'll see him uh, talking about Indiana. Then he's talking about Pepsi. He's talking about Tide. And he's talking about Panini, Some about EA Sports. And all of those deals, all of them are running through Open Doors, Right. So um,
2: yeah, let's let's take a step sorry, back yeah, on that. I, I, I
3: should take a step back
2: No because I, I want I want because I want people to really understand it. So you talked about even way back with Prince, you created him an app to yeah, answer the yeah. four questions. So the first part is let me understand my brand. Tell yeah. us how the app that lives on Prince's phone or any athlete now that you're, you know how it would live on yeah. Trace Jackson Davis's phone, how does it help him understand his brand?
3: Yeah, uh, number one starts with data. So anyone that has ever used Zillow, to creep on the home value of their neighbor. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, or see what's for sale in the neighborhood or look at your own home price. Like see how good Zillow is at estimating the value of your price. Zillow has a thing called a Zestimate, okay? Yep. Yeah. So that Zestimate takes the data of every home sold in your neighborhood in your in your zip code over the last, and look at your house and says, okay, based on all these things, like here's what your house is worth. Uh, Open Doors does that same thing. We have a product called Open Doors Ready, which is like a Zillow Zestimate for an athlete's brand value. So what we do is we take somebody like a uh, uh, Mike Phoenix Jr. or Trace Jackson, like th- these guys, and uh, we'll take their current social media following and overlay it with the last decade of transaction data of like the, this product open doors deals, which is where athletes, pro athletes get paid. And say, based on everything we know about a, a quarterback in, in the NFL and how much they get paid based on their social media following. And you overlay that with Mike Penix's social following and say, hey, here's how much this guy should earn. Okay, so we're able to use live marketplace transaction data to put an actual value on what is a, a, any athlete in the world should be able to make from their NIL. All
2: right, so let me stop you there to ask. Yeah. You're using your own proprietary data yeah. to come up with your open door estimate, let's call it your open yeah. open, oh, door open door estimate. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. look, that's, that's why you yours. come on the hysterics. You, you can right use that up. now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <Open laughs> no, you got to pay me for it. Door um, Yeah, write it down. I don't know how to spell it. Um, so obviously you're using your own proprietary information and data that you have from a decade's worth decade plus of professional athlete value, right? How do you convert that to a college athlete's value? Is it a, I mean, is it really a one-to-one like? It's not one-to-one. No,
3: I mean, it, it is, it is speculative, um, in terms of this. I think there's a discount here. It's, it's somewhere around 50% right in terms of a discount and it's just simply because we don't know what we will know in a year is the actual discount right Right. Um, but that 50% is based on the fact that student athletes unlike professional athletes will be unable to use their school marks and institutional IP and so we know that when an athlete is able to align with an official sponsor like in the NFL they can use both Jordan Howard in his name, image, and likeness, and you know his NFL team likeness IP, which then makes it more valuable. So if you strip away the team IP, right, then how valuable is the athlete? Like right now, our estimate is at fifty percent. So that's kind of where we start with.
2: And obviously, that changes based on the athlete, right? Because mm-hmm. I would and imagine cool, yeah, athlete and school for, totally. But like, right. let's just take um a trace you know, and I know we're going to use him a lot because he is the biggest star that we have right now. But Trace is a star in his own right. Now, part of why he's a star is because he chose to come to Indiana. Mm -hmm. But compare Trace to somebody like Trey Galloway, who's on the team, who's a fine player, but not a star. Most of Trey Galloway's value is in that he is an Indiana Hoosier, whereas Trace Jackson Davis is because he's the best player he's the All-American, he's going to go to the NBA, you know, ostensibly. Right. So I assume that 50% is your average, but it varies player to player.
3: Yeah, that's, that's certainly right. Now, I, I mean, in terms of the algorithm, the school uh, impacts the quantity of opportunities that we expect at school and sport impacts the quantity of annual opportunities that you're expected to get. So um, I, I would say that I'm going to go back to the Zillow's estimate, just so you guys understand this is like, you could have the most uh, baller house in the worst neighborhood. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get as many offers in the house as you would if you had a baller house in a big neighborhood. So that's like being the quarterback at Texas is good. Um, And if you are very good at marketing yourself and you're the quarterback at Texas, that's great. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's like Mm -hmm. having the biggest house in the biggest neighborhood and you're just going to get the offers. Right. So that's kind of how this algorithm works in terms of estimating an athlete's value. So that, that's, that's the step. Like part one is these guys got to at least know something. they got to know what they're worth. Um, and then in addition to the value, we provide them tools and tips and tricks like this is something that Indiana was doing before anybody, right? Indiana was the first school in the country to invest in Open Ready so every athlete could understand their value, but then get the education that comes with it. So uh, here's where you're at. And then here are the specific things that you can do to improve your value. And uh, that, that's what is actually really cool about the student-athlete component to this. It's different than the pros. Like, Student-athletes are uh, enrolled at institutions of higher education, which means that they don't just provide them data. They provide them education. That's pretty exciting. That's
1: cool. I, I, I was thinking this would come later, but I have to ask now. How well is IU positioned? And I'm sure we'll get into how close we're getting to the... NCAA needing to make a move or not before the state laws come in on July 1st, but with basketball, with football on the rise, with the alumni base, obviously they're, they're in a small town, but how well positioned is IU to take advantage of this once it's game on?
3: I I think that IU is in a prominent position because of the, the brand itself. Right. So regardless of the individual athletes, IP, like being an Indiana Hoosier is going to put you in a unique spot with uh, a very, a large fan base, right? There are a lot of people that are fans of Indiana uh, basketball, Indiana Hoosiers that never s- stepped foot in the state of Indiana. Like, so that's a really interesting thing about like how compelling that brand can be. And um, a lot of the consumers that know Indiana to be the leader in, uh, in, in, Athletics are at that age where they have the buying power to support their favorite athletes to get their institution back to the
2: next level. So I think India is a really strong suit because that like- was the most diplomatic way ever <laughs> of saying, That was the most diplomatic ever yep, yep. of saying, You've been crap for about 20 years, and anybody of age has to be an old fart to know when Indiana was good. That was well done. But Trust you didn't flip it past us.
3: Hey, you know what, guys? I, we, we're not talking about this right now, but I could replace Indiana basketball with Nebraska football in any sentence I say today, and it's the same sentence, right? So, um, Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. we are all dying to get back to that point. And, but NIL can be a mechanism for these schools to get back because, you know, the one thing that's, that fans of Indiana – haven't been able to do because I believe that you guys follow the rules. This this ain't the SEC, right? Is that right. the fans have not been able to directly support their favorite players ever, right? Like so, if you want to improve the experience for student athletes at Indiana, you got to call Scott Dolson, right, and say I would like to donate to the institution, and those dollars may go left or right or center of where you actually want them to end up. But you've never been able to call Trace, you never been able to call Penix, you never been able to call the players that are actually making a difference in your excitement as a fan of Indiana. And that is what's about to change. So I think that most people are putting a lot of emphasis on these car dealerships and big brand endorsement deals or even those local market endorsement deals. But I think there's less um, attention on the, the most important factor here, which I think that fans are going to flood the NIL market with direct support of their favorite student athletes, so long as what they're doing is compliant
2: right indiana so
3: Hoosier fans can can pay athletes directly for autographs for speaking engagements for texting them for jumping on a zoom call for doing a cameo type shout out a video call right like that part of it is underestimated and i think fan bases like indiana are going to separate themselves from you know maybe the big buzzy teams now without a, a history that indiana has
2: all right, so let I think you answered the first two questions. We talked yeah. about how you help them understand what their brand is. You're, mm-hmm. you're open doors ready, does an estimate, shows mm-hmm. them. Then you provide tools for help them to build their brand better. How do you get mm-hmm. better at Instagram posts? How do you get better at tweeting? All right. that, great. Third one is how do I protect it? But I wanna put protect aside for a second because we just went to monetize. Right. So now obviously this is where the rubber meets the road and it's how do you monetize? And you just gave us some examples of that. And I think I think people understand that, you know, there are the local dealerships, the local businesses that will want to trace Jackson Davis to be their front man or to send out tweets for them or Instagrams or do a video. You, you did a good job explaining to us how fans could directly do it. How does Open Doors fit into that? Because what you just explained seems totally unwieldy yeah, for a student hard, athlete. Right? It yeah, just feels sure. like it would be coming at me from all sides. How the hell do I focus on what I'm actually there for, which is playing basketball, getting better at basketball and being a student. So where does Open Doors fit there?
3: Right. Um, If you're listening, I'll give you two analogies, okay? So Open Doors Deals is our marketplace product. We created it 10 years ago. That's where we started, okay? And we thought to ourselves, how can we make it as easy as humanly possible for athletes to monetize their brand, okay? And we were we call this, this is called Prince proof. Okay. It's called Prince proof. <laughs> and guys imagine that the very first version of our app had five buttons on it and we'd put it in front of Prince and he goes, how, ah, which button do I click to get paid? I'm like, okay, let's remove a button. And then <laughs> which one do I click now? Um, we got down to two buttons. Okay. One was green. The other one was gray. Like almost like you couldn't even click it. And it's like, which he's like, Oh, okay, I got it. Right. So like it's open doors deals is allows an athlete, their phone buzzes and it says, uh, Pepsi would like to pay you a thousand dollars to send this tweet, green button, gray button. You hit the green button. The tweet goes out automatically. Like the, the, our technology publishes it. Pepsi compensates the athlete through our technology directly. Right. And we make sure everybody that needs to know about it sees it. Okay. So that's how easy it is for an athlete. But I'll, I'll compare it to like, like, how is this unwieldy? If anyone here has ever bought a product on Amazon, yeah, boy, I, boy, I hope listeners, I don't know, they're Hoosiers. Oh. Right? Or, uh, they might go to jet.com or something. But I'm saying, <laughs> shout out to our sponsors, the uh, uh, peaks.com. The, yeah. the, anyways, <laughs> so Amazon, it, that's the experience for the buyer, right? So you go on there, you find what you're looking for. And you purchase it. And then you put your phone back in your pocket. Like You don't even think about it. It shows up. Like that's how open doors deals work for the buyer. You go in there, you find the athlete you want. You select, like you want this athlete to do an appearance. You go in and, and hit a button. He gets an alert to his phone. Like you go back to your night. Then you come back and says, oh, he he said yes. Right. And it's a very simple experience for the buyer. Athlete still gray button, uh, green button. And it's super simple. And then again, the other Actually, those are the, those are my that's my that's the story. That's right? pretty that's good. Heads, right? Yeah.
2: That's pretty good. So, um, let's talk about the brands that are doing this because I I, I can understand it from Pepsi or um, a car dealership. They go on. Can they do? I want Trace to do this, or can they also do? I'll take any Indiana basketball player to do this. Can they do that also on Open Doors?
3: Yeah. The answer is is day one on Open Doors deals, which is uh going officially launching live july 1 like we've got it's in private beta like we really really rebuilt this from the ground up with a focus on compliance so like we've had the product in market for 10 years okay um but knowing that there's a a new level and layer of disclosure requirements and, and requirement across the ncaa and whatnot we rebuilt this thing so july 1 you can go in and select individual athletes and send them opportunities um, soon thereafter, we're introducing this concept of an opportunity board, which would allow anyone to go and say, hey, it's like a, we want, like you said, any athlete that matches these characteristics to see this deal, and then they apply, and then mm-hmm. you accept them. Okay, so it's kind of like a, a reverse job board type thing. Cool. And we see that as a way that it it really alleviates the work for the buyer. It's just, I'll just, I'll throw a line out and see what, what sticks. Um, And then it puts a little bit more onus on the athlete, which uh, what's interesting is that professional athletes, we believe are uh, coddled when it comes to marketing deals and most often rely on their agents almost too much. Um, The student athlete is going to be different we feel like student athletes are going to be putting in the effort to take advantage of these opportunities. So the opportunity board is going to be an opportunity for uh, many uh, individual fans, brands to list things and let athletes apply. then select the ones that fit.
1: I think you, you mentioned July 1st, we've mentioned it a couple of times. It would be best for the listeners. Uh, Let's give a little context here to the world. we, are on the precipice of so could you just kind of give us the nutshell on what's happening with state legislatures ncaa congressmen and why july 1st matters
3: yeah i i think we got the listeners like way deep in the weeds before like what the hell are these guys talking about (laughs) no
1: it's good it's all All
3: right uh name image and likeness rights since the nsa was founded this principle of amateurism has made it so that student athletes cannot be compensated by their institution or other entities uh, for any reason, right? They can't receive compensation. So like it can be paid to play. They can't be paid to be endorsers and ambassadors. They can't get paid to sign autographs, make appearances. They can't be paid to uh, sell their uniform while they they got for free after the season. They can't do that, right? Uh, On July 1st, those rules are changing in select states that have passed state laws that are going to make it illegal for schools to stop their student athletes from making money from name, image, and likeness, right? So Florida, for example, the University of Florida or University of Miami was gonna to have to make a choice on July 1st. Are they going to break the state law by following the NCAA rules which means that they could say, hey, no, our student athletes can't make money. Well, then the state says, well, then do you like state funding? And they're all like, yes, 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 we do. <laughs> say, well then, no, 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 you can't do that. And so, I mean, that's a very simple way to think of it. And then at, at the opposite is like, well, if they disregard the NSA rules and follow the state laws, then the NCAA can say, well, all of those athletes that you like that play sports, they can't play sports anymore. They're ineligible because they broke our old rules. And that's the catch. Like, what do you do? Do you follow state law? Do you follow NCA rules? So while the NCAA is saying like, that is silly, you know, we're finally going to let this happen. So in, in October of 2019, um, there you go, 2019, <laughs> the uh, NCAA said, we intend to adjust our name, image, and likeness policies to allow student athletes to monetize their name, image, and likeness. And so that movement has been happening here for, you know, a year and a half where the NCAA has has said, we're going to change our rules, going to change our rules, going to change our rules. Well, uh, all these state laws go into effect on July 1. How many states is it, Blake? Five. Five states officially, right? So Florida, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, name every SEC state and you'd probably be pretty close, right? (laughs) I think it's
1: Georgia and New Mexico,
3: yeah, and then Nebraska's sneaky. You know, if you want to, I'll get in the weeds. But Nebraska's got a, a deal they could do at any time, technically. So Oklahoma just passed one like that, too. But it, there, there's five official, right? And the NCAA is like, hey, we're going to change the rules. And they were supposed to change the rules in January, okay? Which would give the whole market time. Like, all the fans on the call would have known all the rules. Like, you guys would have known. Like, the schools would know known the rules. The student athletes would know the rules. Well, that has been delayed. It's been delayed week after week, month after month. And now we are two weeks away from the NCA having to make good on their promise from a year and a half ago and say the rules are changing, but no one knows what the rules are. I I liken this to the government saying, in July 1st, you must pay taxes, right? Like you go back to the 13 colonies. I'm like, okay, we intend to pay taxes. What information do you need from us? Like, we're not gonna tell you that, (laughs) right? And then you're like, okay, uh, so what are the rules now? I was like, you gotta guess. You know, that's kind of where we're at. Like, where everyone knows they have to pay their taxes. There's going to be some rules, but no one knows what the rules are. And everyone's got to figure it out in the next 17 days. So, what if there's like a.
1: Oh, sorry. There's like a meeting on the 23rd that NCAA is having. Maybe these rules will come out of that. The NCAA was hoping Congress would step in and just do a blanket law for the whole country so they wouldn't have to deal with the individual states. That definitely seems like that's not going to happen in time. So is, is there the only hope for sort of a uniform set of rules taking place on July 1st? is if the NCAA presents those and the five states that have already passed the laws are like, cool, that's close to what we're doing.
3: Yes, that is like the the likely outcome. I want to talk to like real quick about like why this, I why, and, and I don't know, I'm going to talk to you guys and hopefully the listeners are listening. You can even just get rid of this whole segment, but I think it'd be decent. There's a, there's a Supreme Court case going on right now, the, which the, the verdict could come out any time between now and the next couple of weeks as well, which is Sean Alston versus the NCAA. And this is a lawsuit basically about like uh, that. If the Supreme Court sides with Alston, uh, it would allow institutions to pay unlimited benefits like to student athletes, so long as the compensation is tied to academics, not athletics, Okay. And um, I I really need you guys to hear this. Like if the Supreme Court sides with Alston on this case, Indiana University Athletics, in theory, if uh, the starting quarterback lives 20 minutes off campus, he's got to get to class, right? So they can buy him a Bentley so he can drive from home to class because that's that's a benefit tied to academics, right? If he gets straight A's for a semester, he could get a $10,000 bonus, like, from the school because it's tied to academics. like It has nothing to do with his on-field performance. So think about that for a second. That's what, like right now the NCAA is like, that's gonna screw up college athletics a lot more than letting a business or a fan directly support these student athletes, honestly. Because if you think about like Indiana would win, like they're gonna win that battle over Butler, right? They're gonna win that battle over a lot of the schools in the state because of the funding and the mechanisms you could use to take advantage of those rules. Right. All right. So that case, there's another little sneaky tidbit where every time the NCAA changes its policies, guys, every time they get a fat lawsuit from every student athlete that didn't get to take advantage of that thing. Right. Right. And so that is uh, it's, it's happening again, like this Alston case, like it came up because they, they, they gave a little, and then there's this class action lawsuit, like, well, you should have gave us that stuff. So everyone's suing them and they're like, hey, we want to change our rules to progress the NCAA. But every time we change the rules, we get sued by everyone. So the sneaky part is like, they're trying to close the back door, okay? So the NCA can progress its rules, can change its policies, can put legislation forward in the future. So here we are, the Olson case isn't decided. If the NCAA were to move forward and say NIL is a thing, they're immediately gonna get a lawsuit for every student athlete that didn't get to take advantage of NIL. In fact, Sedona Prince in the state of California is, is a plaintiff in a suit against the NCAA and all of the big uh, conferences for uh, suing for the basis that she, the student athletes haven't been able to make money through NIL. Right. And they're using open door estimates Open door submits to like calculate what they should have earned. Right. This is the segment again. Your your audience is probably already. Wait,
2: I want I to ask though. Right. I know I, I I love it when you say the NCA is trying to close the back door. Is the only way that they can close the back door through legislation that would prevent lawsuits from being retroactive?
3: It, yes, it would basically like to have a judgment on this concept of um, the. <laughs> Yes, I don't know the specific, like right. the legalese, the language on it, but like that's that's basically this underlying principle where they're like trying to say, hey, can we agree that when we change things for the future, like that it closes, it's like an antitrust, like kind of carve out issue, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's, uh, again, the a specific legalese on it, but we, we know that impacts the timing of this announcement. The Olsen case hasn't been resolved. It really isn't including. It doesn't include nil in the case, but it has this kind of impact on it.
2: Sure. So, what's your gut, Blake, on what will happen on July one? I mean, you're you're obviously talking to, I would imagine, some of these state legislators and very connected. In your mind, on July one, does this get turned on? Does the NCAA just say we got to do it?
3: India, like regardless of Indiana state legislation, student athletes at Indiana on July first will be able to monetize their name, image, likeness, and it'll be through a blanket waiver, this is a prediction. The NCA is likely to either pass their NIL legislation with an effective date of July one or an effective date of August one, okay? in either of those cases, if it's July one, then they don't need to do a waiver. If it's August one, they need to do a waiver. And that blanket waiver would basically say like, if you are going to monetize your NIL in the month of July, 2021, we are not going to, you're not gonna be punished hmm. by the NCA which is gonna create a really interesting situation because if they do the blanket waiver without NCAA legislation, then student athletes in states without NIL legislation laws, like from their state laws, might be an advantage over those that have changed the laws. Where there's right. some restrictions. Where there's some restrictions, right? And there'll be no restrictions in the, uh, in the waiver era in Indiana, but there will be state restrictions in states with state
1: laws. Because it's like what well, we should point out that Indiana is one of like nine states that hasn't even really brought legislation for a vote. Like maybe there's been talk of it, but we're behind the ball on that as a state. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as those that have, I mean, there's there's some scenarios where I read one of the states put into their law that 75 percent of whatever an athlete would make through NIL is going to go back into like a, Georgia. A huffer, right. Yeah. So, go into a what or into a, a coffer for the university. So, it's like you get to keep 25%, we take 75%, like spend it as we see fit. Uh, so it just seems like such a mess.
3: Yeah, that one I wait, they're trying to. I don't think it's necessarily for the school to go spend on themselves, I think it's to spread amongst all athletes at the school. Ah, it's like right. trying to use state law to create the concept of group licensing. Um, which is novel, Um, it is interesting and it is met with a lot of adversity because um, in most schools, the sports that generate revenue and the athletes who generate a high amount of NIL rights earning potential come from sports where they may come from an underprivileged background, right? And the non-revenue sports are oftentimes Uh, individuals who come from a privileged background, right? Like a country club sport. And so it, the concept of equality and this is a really interesting topic and I don't know how much we want to get into it, honestly, is it such, so that the goal of the legislation in, in Georgia was to say that, Hey, we want to spread like the earnings of our athletes amongst all the athletes. That sounds like equality.
2: Right? Yeah, except that, and I'll just say it: what what the net result is, it's a bunch of popular black athletes who are pay, getting their money taken from them by a bunch of privileged white athletes. That is, yep that, that that is the, the net result of right. something that, like, with no with no intention, I would think right. of the people. Right. I think they're trying to make it a level playing field so That's that everybody benefits.
3: It sounds so great on paper, right? But like, the net just, result
2: is mike Penix and trace jackson davis make a lot of money in nil and their money gets spread to the water polo and volleyball teams which are dominated by white athletes who come from higher socioeconomic backgrounds
3: yep you guys want so this topic is is really interesting and let's talk about like the intention is really to align like with a group licensing type model okay and like so if you're sitting there as as a hoosier fan and you're saying like well, Trace is probably going to make more than the fifth guy on the bench. And, like, that makes sense because, like, he's more marketable. He gets more opportunities. And, and like, some of you might be surprised when, like, there's a standout uh, volleyball player on campus who's really good at TikTok who makes twice as much money as every player on the football team. Mm. But, like, you're going to be really surprised in that situation. Everyone is. Um, and it's going to happen. It's going to, like, our bet on which athletes make the most in the NIL era are not basketball players or football players. Really? Right? Oh, no, like Olivia Dunn is a standout gymnast at LSU. You ever heard Olivia Dunn? No. No, but 5 million TikTok uh, people have. And then the Cavender Twins, or are t- two twin point guards out at Fresno State, like all conference point guards, Fresno State, um, they've got 3 million TikTok followers. I mean, they could earn $15,000 per video on TikTok right now. Wow. 15 mm. grips, right? Like that is a considerable amount for, and, and so, okay. Yeah. There, there's a lot of things that, that, um, sports fans are, if they want to care about it, they're going to learn about this stuff, right? Like nobody's really sitting there and studying which classes your, your favorite student athletes take. Um, but you are looking at which social channels they use, right? You're following them on those channels. And like, you may not realize when you hit follow like an athlete's follower account and their bank account will be forever linked starting in three weeks,
2: Mm, um,
3: So fans are going to have a bigger impact on their earning potential, their favorite athletes than ever before. So if you do care about this stuff, like, yeah, I can dive deeper. I get way in the weeds on it. Well,
2: I I want to get into one weed, which is because you brought up money. Yeah. I think people would be interested. A Trace Jackson Davis or a Michael Penix Jr. What do you think year one NIL goes into effect? And let's assume – there's no crazy restrictions on it. And let's assume they're not splitting it 75-25 with anybody else. What is a, a Trace Jackson Davis in your estimation make year one?
3: So Trace Jackson Davis is the, um, he's the most followed student athlete on campus. So he's number one of 547 student athletes at Indiana Uh university, right? And so he's got 59,021 followers. He's got 21,000 on Twitter, 37,000 on Instagram. He drives more engagements than anyone on campus, like number one. And um, so with 59,000 followers total, I mean, you're looking at a guy that if if a brand came and said, hey, we'll pay you to tweet and to post on Instagram about our business, they'd have to pay him about a thousand dollars. Like that's the market rate. okay? Okay. So for, for those, like, just thinking about social media earnings alone, how many businesses in Indiana would be interested in having Trace promote him? Like, I don't know. You guys make that up. 10?
2: Yeah, I was going to say a dozen, maybe.
3: Okay, let's say a dozen, right? So that, that's $12,000 right there, which everyone that calls, like, eh, well, that's not, that's not as exciting. That's that's for off, one, right?
2: That's for uh, one tweet.
3: That's for one post, right? And most of these brands will do one a month, right? So then you're talking about $144,000 if it's just that. Like, oh, eh, well, I guess that's not as much as I thought. Okay. But listen, think back to college. Think back to when you're 18 years old, 19 years old. If someone gave you (laughs) $144,000, like, what would you do? Like, I would flip out,
1: dude. If someone gave me $144, I would flip out. $144,000, I would have been dead before I ever left (laughs) Bloomington.
3: Yes. Right. So all of us um, have to put it in perspective is that. The the headlines are going to be the hundred thousand dollar deals and you know million dollar opportunities and all that stuff, but like these are life, this life changing stuff. Um, the thing that every Indiana fan like Indiana fan needs to know is that the university itself is investing and in making sure that what I just said like all those opportunities like where Trace started when he showed up to Indiana to where he is now he's doubled his earning potential right and like that's the stuff that's going to be the the hidden side of this is that schools, they can't help bring deals to athletes. Like the school can have no involvement, but they can help them get that number up. And that's that's going to be a fun part. And Indiana has been leading the way in that um, side for a while.
2: So yeah. and back and to what, what Lord oh, asked. Oh, okay. I was going to say back to what you said about how well positioned is Indiana. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about like what I kind of joked around in the intro, recruiting. So yeah. Indiana can go to a recruit and say, listen, here is what we did to help player X – increase their social media platform and their following. Yep. And that equaled X number of dollars. That's exactly. what we can bring to the table. We'll give you highlight packages, cool graphics. You can put all that stuff out, build up your follower base, and then you get to go monetize that. And we do it better than Ohio State and Nebraska and Purdue.
1: Certainly. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> there you go. God, but that's, that, that's that. what
2: we're talking about, how schools could use this that's as easy. a recruiting tool.
3: That's right. Um, like it, love it, hate it, want to leave it. Uh, college sports fans had to realize that how much their favorite players earn and student athletes at their favorite school earn through name, image, and likeness monetization will be as well known as their win loss record or their favorite team. It'll be as well known as the attendance averages at their, in, in their home stadium.
2: Because it all has to be public?
3: No, because it's going to be used in every recruiting pitch to the end of time.
2: Got it. <laughs> Got it. Right.
3: And, and like, I, I just, I know that this sounds far fetched, but like there is right now, it's all speculation. Okay. But there are certain institutions, or certain programs that are in a position where like our, our experts estimate that you could earn a million dollars in NIL per year here. And like those numbers aren't coming from us. Right. But, um, because it is hard as hell to make a million dollars a year on name, image, and likeness rights. Um, Unless you're just, it's a front for something else, okay? Like legitimate (laughs) NIL rights is tough to make a million dollars a year. Most pro athletes don't even make that. But if you're, if Indiana or any institution is out there uh, recruiting against other programs that our, like their student athletes are earning that amount, there's gonna be a lot of adjustments. Right and like like, hey man, like uh, I know my buddy is over at Purdue and he's making blah blah blah. Or I'm down at Notre Dame and this is what they're getting there. Um, and that's that's going to be really hard for a lot of coaches
1: and, and fan bases to get used to. And the way you phrased it, it was so sort of profound and like, oh, everything changes. This is going to change everything. And to a certain degree, I mean, maybe it can't be really official, if you will. But this is already a part of recruiting pitches, is it not? Oh, yeah.
3: I mean, like, again, like right now, uh, Indiana is able to talk about the follower growth of their student athletes. And like, what they're talking about is their value, right? And, and the thing is, like, if anyone is, is listening, like, damn, these guys are talking about money, They're talking about money, they're talking about money, like, we live in a digital world, social media world. Like if an Indiana student athlete gets a a larger following or learns how to use social media the right way, they're going to get a better job. I don't care if they get an endorsement deal. Like if they get a job offer, that's a good outcome too. So these are life skills, but in the highly competitive recruiting side of, of college sports, your follower count and being able to market that and like that Indiana is invested in, getting their student athletes ready for NIL, and they've got the best program in the country. And Like, this is what the pros use. Like, it's in every recruiting pitch, you know? So,
2: Blake, what do you say, though, to the – I'm sure there is part of the fan base, especially for a place like Indiana, which is we do things the right way, it's amateur athletics, and you saying, you know, that what somebody earns on their NIL is going to be as well known as how many points per game they averaged. I think to a lot of people that's like well that's the end of college athletics and that's bad
0: that Mm -hmm. that that's
2: going to be the case because it is it should be about the purity of the sport and developing them as young men and women to better prepare them for professional athletics or the workforce what do you say to people that say you're part of a system that is just exploiting these kids and giving them one more huge distraction that takes them away from the primary reason they're at the school that they choose? You know what, I I mean, what I would
3: say is uh, for those that think that NIL is gonna be blank check easy, you are wrong, okay? NIL monetization is a job just like anything else. I mean, the two of you know damn well, right? I'm looking at your faces. I'm looking at your likeness on these little bitmoji thingies, whatever you got, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of Hoosier fans that are sitting in a, um, in a car right now. They're at work. They're working out, whatever. Those in this podcast, and they're like, golly, I love the Hoosiers. I should start a podcast, right? Yeah. And then that, that thought runs through your mind like, man, but I don't know if I could Wade, Ward, Ward and Eric, these guys, they, they got it right. And, and like you, no one handed this to you. You worked your ass off to build this audience, to build this program. And like, if you think like student athletes are gonna to have to work to earn what they're worth, okay? And it, no one's gonna hand it to them. And like, that comes back to the protect part. Okay, So unlike pro-athlete endorsements, unlike celebrity you know, monetization or creator monetization, every single dollar that every student athlete in the NCAA makes is going to be tracked. Right. So you may want to gift Trace $50,000 and for an appearance, for a one-hour appearance. But there's no market in the world where $50,000 for a one-hour appearance is commensurate with market rate. Okay. So that not, would be a rule that you think that you're confident will be in place? I would say the concept of keeping an eye on market value compared to compensation for, for athletes is going to be a reality, right? Um, and it's to try and keep a decently level playing field. Now, every listener and you guys right now are like, well, isn't market rate what people
2: say it is? Right. That's, that's I have two part question. One is that. Mm-hmm. What's the second one? The second is the NCAA can't regulate guys slipping bags of cash to people and can't prevent kids from getting hookers sent to them on recruiting visits. Right? How in the world are they going to regulate and monitor and track a kid getting uh, twelve hundred dollars to go appear at my bar mitzvah for my mm-hmm. kid? Yeah. And you know, like how how in the world can a I'm just going to say it incompetent organization that is overtaxed, underfunded, understaffed, and and inept mm-hmm. manage this process?
3: Well, I would say that, that NIL rights monetization and disclosure requirements are not built to bring the darkness to light, right? So there will still be the bags of cash, there'll be the, the that stuff, and it's just going to persist and exist, and that is unfortunate, but that ex- that's there already, okay? Yep. But for programs and fan bases that do it right, this does bring something to light, right? You can directly support your favorite student athletes. And if you wanna do it and help them keep the eligibility, then you'll follow the rules. You'll also be educated enough as a fan base to encourage those student athletes to disclose those transactions. Because the easiest way for a student athlete to risk their eligibility is to accept compensation for NIL activities that they one, didn't do, okay? Mm -hmm. So if they never show up to your daughters by Missa and, and you still pay them like that's an issue okay because that's no quid pro quo right no,
2: but again who is tracking that how
3: you, hey you know who's going to track indiana um, nil activities purdue <laughs> <laughs> i'm serious sure enough. right so that's one of those sure. things that what is really interesting about nil okay and this is like another part i don't think people talk about enough it's just, it's, it's a public thing all right, so if there's a name, image and likeness activity and an athlete says, yeah, I did it, there's gotta be evidence of it. Mm. Like, cause you can't make money through NIL without a public view. It's gotta be media was created, an appearance was provided, an autograph was signed, an item
2: was sold. All of these ways that athletes are gonna make money, there's gotta be proof of it. Can, can I ask you a quick question yeah. about that? Because I'm, the brand stuff I get, they go, you have people that are dealing with brands, they're part of the open door deals, platform but let's go to the individual i want to pay trace jackson davis to sign my son's jersey you mm-hmm. know and give it to him as how how does that get executed and how does open doors allow that to get executed
3: right so open doors uh deals let's talk about pro athletes right so uh, let's see if, like jordan howard for example as an open doors user like has an open profile right? and it's like going to um an etsy shop where you can see all the different items that somebody's selling you can just buy them from them so you can buy a tweet you can buy an appearance you can buy a um a podcast interview like you can like literally just and he's got pricing hey, on it
2: that'll be the end of hoosier hysterics <laughs> yeah yeah that's
3: right uh just get jordan <laughs> howard whenever you want the yeah. open doors deals uh is there for you the uh the truth is so like uh let's say that you want your favorite athlete to sign an autograph and you can go to open door Deals and like just like pitch them like, Hey, I'll, I'll send you my son's Jersey and I'll pay a hundred bucks to sign it. And he's like, sweet, here's my address. And then you send it to him, he sends it back. Like then compensations only provided through openers deals once there's proof of completion. So that's what we're talking about. When we rebuilt this from the ground up, we added this closed loop system. So um, student athletes or any athlete user can't be compensated unless the buyer who's paying them has confirmed the completion of the activity they're paying for. Quid pro quo is going to get everyone in trouble if you're paying somebody and they didn't actually do it, there's no proof sure. of them doing it, then you get in trouble. Um, another like weird thing to consider is that if you saw a student athlete on the street and you're like, Hey, I want to pay you 100 bucks for an autograph, if you hand him 100 bucks in that instance, he's going to have to then get your contact info. Okay, he's going to have to ask you, like, if, Are you a staff member of Indiana? If so, I can't accept this compensation. Like they, they're going to have to be educated on this. And so the risk of them accepting cash from a consumer on the streets is high. But if they can say, hey, if here's what I'm going to do go go here, pay me through this. So to do so, you create an account, you confirm your identity, and then you pay them. Um, that creates some level, level of compliance. Like those are the types of things that we're seeing that's going to happen.
1: So I'd like to get in on something where we're talking about distraction, Eric said earlier, and there's all these different ways. And I know you got the the, uh, Prince proof, just hit the green button and go for it. But is it more on the school? Is it something you guys do? Is it both in terms of like the creation of content? Because I am concerned about Trace. You know, I mean, I hear with buddies in the dating world how they get addicted to swiping left or right for like hours at a time and are just lost in a time chasm. Mm-hmm. How are you guys and or the universities helping these guys provide the stuff they have to provide to make this money while they're still supposed to be learning how to play basketball and go to class? Yeah, yeah,
3: yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So um, institutional involvement, I know that we've gone on different branches of this wild tree of NIL, right? But uh, institutional involvement is a branch that's really interesting. So schools can have no part, play no part in the development operation or promotion of NIL activities. Institutional staff members cannot compensate student athletes for NIL activities. So you, know, you couldn't have Coach Allen like paying Pennix for an autograph or a jersey or an appearance. Like that makes sense, everybody understands that. Um, so what I liken this to is is like these schools are going to support these student athletes up to a point okay so it's like a, a tutor okay so a student athlete struggling in class they're going to get them a tutor That tutor can help them study for a test okay the the, the tutor can help them with the homework like the tutor can walk them across campus open up the door to the classroom but they can't go in and take the test for the kid okay that's the uh, compare that to nil it's the same thing right like Indiana is investing in having the best NIL tutors in the country. Okay.
2: And that's Linnea Phillips is one
3: that's, of them. Right? That's Linnea Phillips, Jeremy Gray, like the entire uh, you know, staff over at the the school of yep. business and uh the Cuban Center and all that. Like they are basically saying that if you come here, it's gonna be like we got the best academic tutors and we got the best NIL tutors. So we're gonna help you create content. We're gonna help you create videos, we're gonna help you create podcasts, video channel, like. And we're gonna build up this thing, but then when the phone rings and it's Peaks right.com and it's another another entity or sponsor, like you got to do it on your own. Like if a fan comes and says, "I want to pay you for something," like you got to do it on your own. The
1: schools cannot be involved in that part. So that's the involvement. So the now, the yeah. Cuban Center could not help Trace Jackson do a video that he gets paid for.
2: Yeah, they got could it. help him up. His, but but let's go back to Ward's point because I get the institutional involvement, but the distraction. Mm. This does seem like it could be a giant distraction for these athletes. And I can't figure out if you're avoiding answering that because you are also worried about that. Well, I mean, again,
3: everything that we've built for our tools are are built to create an, an efficient way for athletes to be like more successful at something that's critical for them to maximize their value, right. Which is social media, which is digital media. So when we show those reports of like, here's, Here's how much you're worth. Then we say, here's when your fans are most active. Here's what platform matters the most. So it's like, we tell coaches that if you are tired of seeing your athletes when you walk in the locker room with their head down on their phone, okay? You know what we tell them? That ain't gonna change, right? But yeah. the next thing we tell them is that we're not trying to get them to use social media more often. We're trying to get them to use it more effectively. Right. right? So I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pull up something super random. And I will tell you that for uh, Trace Jackson Davis... Um, he posts the most on Twitter. Okay. And he posts the most on Wednesdays, (laughs) right? And so 95% of every post that Trace Jackson's ever shared on social media is on Twitter. 81% of them are text only uh, uh, 23% of them have contained video right now. Check this out. Who's your fans? Uh, Trace Jackson gets the best engagement on Instagram his ideal time to post to get the most engagement is at three o'clock on Fridays. So this is just the pure science of this. He posts the most on Twitter and posts the most on Wednesday. His fans are most engaged on Instagram on Fridays. Okay. So can you imagine if you have that data and that's what Indiana has is that they're helping coach the kids to say the right thing at the right place, right time. It's like going in the weight room and you know that you're, going to squat the most on Fridays at three and you're making the kids squat on Tuesdays. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like let's, let's use things more effectively.
2: And Not hopefully more. that will make them actually in aggregate use it less, but when they're using it, they're maximizing the that.
3: Yep. It's, wow. it's wild guys. Like this is the hidden side of NIO is, the investment that schools make in the strength and conditioning of their student athletes, they're gonna put into the NIL and brand development of their student athletes.
2: Let's, add, let's touch on this, agents. Mm-hmm. Can a kid hire an agent? Can Trace or Michael Penix or Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, who I imagine could have made a mint, you know, um, or Zion Williamson a couple of years back at Duke, can they hire an agent to run their NIL for them? Yes student
3: athletes will be able to receive assistance in uh, negotiating compensation agreements, coordinating, developing, operating from agents, professional service providers. Okay. That's the, the NCA calls them professional service providers. They cannot be professional service providers, cannot be in, institutional staff members. Okay. That makes sense. Sure. So the coach can't be your agent. Um, the professional service providers Cannot also be service providers like contractors with the school, so the school can't pay you, Ward, and then have you be Penix's agent, right? Like that—that's not how it works. Got it. But yes, they can have an agent.
1: So can then they can agents- hire out. They could. They could have a team. They could start to build a company. Uh, I want this person doing my videos and editing my highlights. I want this person sending yep. all my autographs out for me. They can. Mm-hmm. They can start to build an empire. Yep. So um, what's interesting, if we think about it, is that there are
3: Octagon and CAA and Wasserman and IMG, like all these talent agencies, you know all too well. Like that, that's like your world, right? And these talent agencies, they'll have these summer internship programs where they'll they'll take in thousands and thousands of applicants, and you, you like you're one of eight summer interns to work with Octagon Sports and their their internship program, highly competitive you might get one interaction the entire summer with an athlete to work on an endorsement deal or you can now decide that on your home campus you can be the marketing rep of record for 15 star players on the football basketball baseball soccer volleyball team cut your teeth representing athletes that aren't earning tens of thousands of dollars but thousands of dollars but have an actual path to, and proof to helping uh, folks out so there's going to be a lot uh, like the economics don't make sense for a lot of major agents to represent student athletes. Cause you'd have to earn a lot from a few, uh, but for up and coming wishful thinkers, like helping a student athlete make a buck or two is going to be a clear path to a new business model in sports.
2: But couldn't a major agency look at it like, no, it's not worth a, to make the money on the NIL while they're in school. But if that gets our hooks into them so that we can represent them when he's drafted third in the NBA or a first round NFL draft pick, then it's worth the investment on the front end. So we make it on the back end and we've already got our hooks into them. Yeah.
3: Yes. That, I mean, that is a tactic or strategy like a recruiting or early in uh, type method. And one of the clauses in the proposed NSA legislation that is important to understand of this factor is that the Professional service provider can represent a student athlete and their NIL ability, like their marketing ability, but that same individual cannot represent their athletics ability. Okay. Okay. So the same person cannot represent both their marketing as a student athlete and their athletic ability.
2: Yeah, but like, the same agency can.
1: Yeah.
3: That is uh that is a potential outcome is that (laughs) an agency can employ an an individual that represents the marketing ability of a student athlete and then employ another individual that would represent their athletic ability.
2: So Blake, you live and breathe this. Mm -hmm. What scares you about it? Like, is there something that you're like, this could really go wrong? Like, is there, what, what gives you kind of, besides the NCAA, just, you know, fighting it and saying, we're not going to do it obviously would affect your business, but is there something that you're like, I really hope it doesn't go this way. Cause if it does, it's going to be a real problem.
3: Um, you know, what's interesting is all of the bad outcomes for college athletics are good outcomes for college athletes. <laughs> So answering your question is really interesting um, because college sports fans do truly appreciate and respect the uniqueness of the product compared to professional sports. Okay. We do like, we, we like the idea that Indiana with less football resources, not to knock, then Nebraska can whip Nebraska every year. Right. Right. Um, and if, if things tilt one way and it becomes true wild, wild West, no, Disclosure requirements, no cap, no, not, not a cap, like but just no um sunshine on the market. Right. Then certain schools are just gonna become bona fide professional sports organizations and it's gonna transform the market. Student athletes are gonna win, um, but college athletics is is gonna lose. So do you,
1: do you see a scenario where this is sort of the final straw that breaks the NCAAs back that like, we look back at this as like, this was finally. And I think a lot of people would say a good thing, the beginning of the end of the NCAA having any kind of control over the sport.
3: I would say that this is uh, a slippery slope for the NCAA. And what has been a challenge is how, slowly they have made progress towards providing clarity to the market, right? Because like if the NSA had a plan of attack and they presented it and they executed it and they're like, oh, these guys, they, they are in control. like, they, And I still think there is uh, ability to rectify that position, right? Uh, they're gonna have to give some control but they're gonna get respect if they do it the right way. But the interesting thing, like most, listeners need to understand too is that mark emmert does not operate in the same way that adam silver does or roger goodell does right like you know who's wanted to pass this legislation for the last six months candidly the ncaa the folks down the street
2: in Mm -hmm. indianapolis so i i think you might be going here the big 10 seems to be against you
3: the uh the, the big 10, the SEC, the ACC, the big 12, the PAC 12, like uh, the realities are that those that are voting on NIL legislation, the NCAA doesn't get a vote. They just sit there, they propose the rules mm. and then the members vote, okay? And so if you ask yourself like who's delaying this, the buzz and, and press attention goes to the blue dot and the folks in Indianapolis. But the truth is the the people that, who are not voting to approve this or they continue to delay it are everyone but the folks in Indianapolis.
2: And the big 10 is against it in your mind because they know that you are sucking money out of the marketplace that they would typically get.
3: I would say that that is a uh, an interesting like challenge here, right? So if you so our our company open doors, we're partners with more than 100 college athletic parts departments across the country like i think there's a lot this is probably an hour in and everyone's like okay like what's going on um but like we're partners with the nflpa mlbpa nbpa nhlpa like our job is to work with the leaders in sports every day to like help them navigate this stuff right and i know you'll probably talk about that in some level of intro but i'll repeat it here if you go down the line if i talk to an ad an hour for the next 12 hours six of them believe this they don't care if their sponsors spend less on them and more on their student athletes because they're thinking long-term, right? I would rather see our departmental revenues go down and our student athlete revenues go up because then we're gonna get the best talent in America, okay? Now the other six
2: are gonna And going by to the say, way, wait, but to put a button on that, The long term is that if we get the best athletes in the country, our performance on the fields of play will be better. More contributions, more ticket sales, more merch sales, all the things that they get to monetize will long term go up.
3: Right. So uh, Dan Radakovich at Clemson started spending money on, uh, like, that he didn't have to build facilities that uh, he didn't need. And he got every bit of talent in the Southeast and started whipping everyone's tail. Right. Right. And like, that's the thing is that if you look long-term sacrifice profits uh, and, and spend higher here, or, you know, generate less revenue now, but to make more later. And so six ADs will say, I don't care about our revenue. I care about like the long-term. The other six will say, I need to protect my revenue at all costs. Okay. Because the chancellor on my campus is judging me. They brought me in here to get revenue up, not get it down. Right, and I, I want this. I'm I'm not going to stay here very long to say my alma mater. So (laughs) I'm going to show that I can get the revenue up, so I can get that job. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's unfortunate is like those that those balance of leaders is where the market is. Okay, and so you're going to be rabble, rabble, rabble. uh, Let the kids make the money. Like rabble, rabble, rabble. That's going to hurt our revenue. What side are you on? Um, You, the votes aren't revealed. You know, you don't know who's voting for what.
2: So if you're telling our fans that are listening to this, what is the big thing they need to look out for over the next two weeks? Is it the NCAA legislation? Is it the Supreme Court case? What is the thing that is the tipping point here that we need to just kind of have our eye out on to know that this thing is happening on July 1?
3: There will be you know, June 22nd, 23rd, there's a, a D1 council vote where they are going to most likely have something out of that meeting that says NIL is moving forward. Here's the structure. That's gonna go to the NCA board of governors who vote to approve whatever the D1 council says. And it, they're gonna hear all of this buzz and, and July 1st is gonna be NIL day for the history of time, right, uh, you know, 7 And we're all gonna say, all right, what do we do, okay? So like right now we talk about what it is and how, you know, why and when and where, but how this works is what's important, you know? And if you want to support your favorite student athletes at Indiana, at, every, at any institution or any athlete, like you got to follow the rules, right? They got to follow the rules. The, the worst thing you can do is like out of passion for your favorite program in the country is to see this announcement and want to just go crazy, go do something like get educated, study up on the stuff, make sure that, you know, like they, the student athlete actually has to do stuff. For you in order for you to pay them. So sign in an autograph, show up somewhere, tweet, post, whatever.
2: I, I do feel like we need to say one thing here. You are not a nonprofit organization. Yeah. You are not in yeah. this for charity work. Obviously, yeah. it's a business, and the way you make money on it from open doors is how?
3: So open doors generates revenue through two main streams. Organizations pay us subscription fees to use our software. So the University of Indiana Bloomington. This is whoa, whoa. Director, Indiana University. Indiana right? University, university not, of Bloomington. Uh, sorry
2: about that. Uh all right. That's all right. I am running I, for trustee, so I can't allow you someone gotta, to say University of yeah. The
1: officiant, the efficient at my wedding said it. We met at the University of oh. Indiana, and I had to Ooh. stop oh. <laughs> in the middle of the wedding and correct her. Dang it, guys. I, I got just all the you. way. Morgan, that's Humphrey, right. No one's okay. listening at this point. Morgan
3: Humphrey still listening. I know he is. The um, <laughs> here's the deal, guys: uh, is that the Indiana will pay us to use our software, okay? And that allows them to provide educational resources, provide the assessments I talked about. They can send photos and videos. They can uh, pay to monitor the activities that are being disclosed to them. So, like the schools and sports teams and leagues pay us, okay? So we've got, you know, a thousand plus sports teams across co- college and pro sports that pay for our software. And then the other side is, is there's transaction fees. And so mm. number one important thing is that open is free for athletes. Always has been always will be It gets free for them to use. Mm. And so when a buyer goes to open doors deals and, you know, you want to pay Jordan Howard thousand dollars for a tweet, you're going to see a transaction fee that transaction fee is between 10 and 30 percent, depending on different factors. So it's kind of like when you go to Airbnb, like Airbnb is free guys. Like you, you log into it, like it's, you find the best place in the world to stay. And when you check out, then you see a fee. And right. You're like, oh man, why do I have to pay Airbnb? I don't know, because they just built the easiest way to book a place to stay on the, in the world, right? right. Like So uh, that's how Open Doors Deals works is like we're making it incredibly easy for fans and brands to support their favorite athletes. Okay, And to do that, we've had to build relationships over a decade right? To make it as easy as possible. Like, so an athlete, you want to work with an athlete, they get a text to their phone, they click a link and they hit a green button. Making it that easy for you as a fan or a brand has been like my life's work.
2: Hmm.
3: So the way that we monetize is that the buyer pays a convenience fee, right? Um, So again, it's 10 to 30%. And like, so that's how our business model works. Pepsi can
1: afford it. We're good. We're good with Pepsi. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But it's really important. Like I'm going to say, one more thing on this guy sorry i know i know but is no i love it i love we, it we don't compensate or cause compensation to athletes like we are we facilitate compensation between this party and that party
2: but you're okay. not recruiting companies to go pay no trade no trade. we
3: okay. don't solicit deals for individual athletes like airbnb doesn't go out and solicit you know right. uh, individual house. like they're they're not pitching these houses over those houses like you're the saying, technological middleman that's right yep and yeah. that's yeah. really important to say for compliance purposes
1: and you yeah. built it and, and, you know, obviously you've built it uh, way ahead of the curve. And that's something where it's now like, great. Now everybody's seeing IU just killing it. Other ADs or other schools will be like, how are they doing that so well? And I guess they'll have to tell them about you guys eventually. Uh, I'm sure the secret's out already. But yeah. I, I I mean, I think it's just really encouraging that this is so inevitable or to use Eric's word imminent. Um, to know that the powers that be in Bloomington have already been working with you guys for a while to get ready for this. is just really encouraging when we want to be a program ahead of the curve, like, like you guys have been. Yeah, man. And we haven't been. Correct. Yeah. Uh, But
3: the the innovation's there and you guys have been a leader and Indiana has been a great partner for five years now. I mean, like this is, they made an investment in helping their alumni do this Mm -hmm. right five years ago and now it's just paying off because they have a story to tell like they believed in athlete marketing and athlete branding before it was cool
2: uh year one this goes into effect july one i call you next year june 30th and i say what was the total market for collegiate collegiate athletics in nil what do you think that total number would be uh
3: the first year of collegiate nil earnings like just this market uh you know, we've got an estimated between $250, 300000000 million, okay? Uh, a fully mature market is going to be north of half a billion dollars a year that's going to flow into the pockets of, of um, student-athletes for NIL activities. Um, some estimates, like depending on how you shake it, could clo- get closer to billion a billion-dollar-a-year type market. All these things kind of... Tie back to comparables in the professional space, right? So, on average, a, a you know whatever the revenue of a sports organization, the athletes on that organization, when you look at the sponsorship revenue of an organization and the athletes, is about ten percent. Okay, ten percent of total organizational revenue, okay, total sponsorship revenue of an organization. Got so, if, if Indiana does, uh, let's say, fifteen million dollars a year in sponsorship revenue, like you could estimate that athletes from similar sponsors would generate one and a half. Okay. Now the, the other hidden dollars is the merchandising is the direct fan monetization, which is sometimes equivalent to uh, maybe one to to two times that. Right. So you're saying like three to four and a half million just at Indiana, one and a half from, from sponsors, one and a half for, you know, another, you know, 3 million from fans and like somewhere in there lies the number. Okay. And fan bases and brand bases across college athletics uh, are going to be in control of where their dollars go
2: you know have you ever been to Bloomington
3: I have I've been a few times
2: and do you remember like a favorite bar or restaurant like what do you remember from your time in Bloomington I
3: remember that field across from the football stadium that's filled with tents (laughs) <laughs> uh i don't even know what the place is called but what a hoot man uh i don't know if i've been to a bar in indiana really in bloomington No. well
2: do we play nebraska this year we don't do we i don't think we do oh boy i don't
3: know in that basketball. one.
1: basketball <laughs> we'll, we <play laughs> we'll take that
2: yeah yeah
1: I know. i'm ready to get there guys uh, okay i have one last question go for it yeah. see all these potential earnings revenue have you ever thought about trying to bring in as part of your clientele, Oliver Luck, oh, Andrew's father? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> For those who couldn't see that, uh, Oliver. Oliver
3: Luck just Blake, called going? Blake. Good. Hey, I got, I'm, uh, I'm in the last oh, like minute of a podcast recording. Can I give you a call back? Good. Hey, it's the oh, Hoos- yeah. Hoosier Hysterics. You want to say hi to him? <laughs> they love you out there. You know that.
1: Big fans of Andrew. Tell all the I love them. Uh, uh, great school. Great, uh, great Bloomington's a great place. You know, you
2: uh, not I not to put about all this. All right, I'll call you back. Okay. <laughs> thanks. See a little tidbit, Oliver. Did you, hear? you guys hear? Oh, yes. oh yeah, that was great. Right, but a little tidbit, Oliver and I both had a very unique shared experience working for Vince McMahon.
3: Ooh, oh, yeah, you were WWE. Oh yeah.
2: I, I did WWE, and Oliver was the commissioner of the XFL 2.0. Okay. And let's just say, neither experience and did well. <laughs> okay. he's, yeah, I,
3: I can imagine. I know he's still fighting the battle. But, um, All
1: right, Ward, your question. Well, yeah. my question is, when Oliver calls you back, is that conversation about if he if he should advise Andrew to come back out of retirement to oh, play for boy, the Indianapolis honey. Colts.
3: You know, when we talk about Andrew, we talk about his, his, his boy. And his, I think his boy's pretty happy. You know, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know more than that, but I know uh, proud Papa got a, a son that did pretty well. And now yeah. he's uh, yeah. on to the next one.
1: Well, um, no, I was just, I was saying that the logical conclusion to this podcast is a, a partnership between you guys and the Hoosier Hysterics, obviously there's a lot of money to be made <laughs> in a uh, in a very niche uh, podcast. No, my real last question. We'll is, click the green button all day long. I'll get, I'll get you we'll signed sign up right now, gentlemen. Yeah, get us a green button. Waiting yes, for a green button to, to show up.
3: Oh <laughs> uh, no! Did I mean, you have a question? To yeah, answer? no, I yeah, what is it? Yeah, I got it.
1: Well, it I've had it, it. It has come and gone about a dozen times between the interview. I, I want to know uh, the name of Blake's cat, which is obviously a beautiful creature <laughs> and has made some cameos.
3: Yeah, Rio is my this dude right here. He is a common occurrence in the in the you know uh, Zoom era. And Rio's
2: cool. Yeah, he's
3: a cool dude. He plays fetch and all that. And you know, I guys, I be, we became fast friends. So yes, I know that
2: you're only gonna let one husker on the show. I'm glad it's me. Well, we appreciate it, Blake. Look, it's it's something that IU fans and college sports fans have been talking about for a while. And I think it's been very amorphous and, and confusing. And I think you've shed a lot of light on it for us, which has been, I mean, I, I've loved it. I think it's really helpful. And I know it, it is going to be a learning curve for fans because a lot of them are not going to like it. There's going to be a, a, an old school component of the fan base across the country who does not like that kids in college Are uh, monetizing their NIL. Uh, It's going to offend them in some way. And I'm sure this does break along demographic lines as far as the support for it. I'm sure young people who understand the value of social media and use it all the time would be much more in support, but it's here. So we better be on the forefront of it and use it to our advantage at Indiana University and help these kids as much as we can. I would say that.
3: Where you started the podcast, we should end the podcast, is the fact that this is about education. Right. Like so hidden in the the hour and a half, whatever time of banter, like is the fact that I believe that Hoosier fans are educated sports fans. Right. I mean they they have to be, they are like they're they're in it for the long haul. And they're if you lean into this, you understand the rules. You'll see, like you may start against it. You're gonna find that, you know, fan bases that are smart about it and lean into NIL are gonna create an advantage for their favorite program. And Indiana is gonna be well on their way because of things like this. So you guys are doing it right.
1: Well, well, thank you for for taking the time to educate all of us. And and an extra big thank you for partnering with Indiana University to make sure we are out ahead of this, because anybody in our fan base who's against it, uh, as soon as they see the the recruiting uptick and the results on the court or the field uptick, everybody's going to be very grateful. Yep.
3: Indiana University Bloomington. There you go. (laughs) You nailed it.
0: That was a guest. That was a guest.
2: Well, look, very different podcast for us, but I'm fascinated by it like I'm fascinated by it for a lot of reasons. And I think that if you asked me like, do you want this to happen or do you not want this to happen? You might get a different answer from like, how much do I want to support it? Meaning I want to support it hundred percent because it's here, it's the reality. So railing against it, it just too buys late. you nothing. Too right. late, yep. too late. So it's here. These kids are going to be able to monetize it, and it's a pl- we have a unique place with our rabid fan base, and we're a college town. We're not a city that has, you know, for example, we live in L.A., Ward. NIL for UCLA basketball players is not going to be as valuable, or football players. As well, I
1: NIL. mean, they went to the Final Four this
2: year. I know, but they're not stars. They are not not in L.A., Trace Jackson Davis in Indiana is a bigger star than anybody on UCLA is to the UCLA fan base.
1: And you can see it. Look at social media followings, look at the engagement that they have. And this is where you look at, we have the second biggest alumni base in the country. Right. And that he even said, you know, it's not even so much about, Oh, just Bloomington or the state of Indiana. It's like these people are everywhere and they're largely on social media. We are, look at Duke. What do they crank out? You know, 2000, what's a student body there like 2000. I'm sure their alumni base is so much smaller for that program that even they've had way more success than us over the last 20, 30 years, we could start to make up some ground in terms of how we're appealing to potential recruits immediately based on these numbers starting now.
2: And, and let me make two points that if we didn't make them, Scott Dolson is a huge supporter of this huge Scott's yep. the one that pushed for the open door steel. I'm sure Fred glass was involved in it, but Scott wants to, you know, pour gasoline on the fire of NIL at Indiana, huge supporter of it. So the head of our department is full steam ahead. We have players right now on the team who are asking questions about how to do this. Okay. There several, You know, it's not a coincidence that Trace Jackson's following has increased so much. He's utilizing some of the things that Linnea Phillips and others are telling him. And it's not just to get followers for the fun of getting followers. It's to build a base so that he can monetize if he's there.
1: And look, we didn't get into this, but I wonder if there's rumblings of some level of curriculum being introduced into this. Because if you're talking about, oh, they're going to be a physical education major, or a sports psychology? well, not sports, you know, a lot of these, like, okay, this is the major, but the kid's really there to play basketball or football, and they have to be doing something. Well, why not actually bring that into the Kelly School of Business? Well,
2: they're they're involved, for sure. So
1: there could be a real holistic approach from both the academic side, education, and the athletics, where it's like, no, this isn't just like, hey, come by my office later, and I'll tell you when to post. It's like, and then, and then when they get out of school to his point, it's like, maybe, maybe they end up whenever sports, uh, uh, being an athlete is, is their main thing goes away. Cause it inevitably will that they've got this whole other education that they can apply to themselves. Other people they know it's like this, this could be great for everybody.
2: I, I talked to Blake a little about this off air. And it's something that you know you and I have talked about. I hope with stuff like this comes financial education for the student athlete. I mean, I think it should happen for all students. You and I have talked about this, yep. but all students don't have the chance to monetize their NIL the way that an athlete does. They're gonna have money coming in. I mean, he laid out a conservative scenario for Trace at $144,000 in a year, but that included zero direct from the fans, money. right? Zero. And if you use his math at the end, where he said it's about three times that, well, you're talking about trace possibly make, being able to make 250 to half a million dollars.
1: You yeah. know, and if this is getting problems. above, like, say, G League much, contracts. Much more
2: above it. And absolutely. And the G League stuff is a different conversation. I think it's so stupid. Other than you get development and you can play basketball all the time with no restriction. Zion Williamson signed a what $90 million deal with Nike and Jordan when he came out of college, because of the brand he built at Duke for those six to nine months. Name me a G League player that's played in the last couple of years that you could recognize.
1: Well, Zion is such an exception. But I think the point is, if you're talking about low six figure contracts now for professional leagues that aren't the NBA as an alternative for high school players. Well, how does IU compete with that? It's like, well, actually, you could make more from that by coming to IU for a year, building your brand and going out into the world. I think that that's just, I think if, that's
2: fair. If
1: it's an I, arms race between all these options kids have coming out of high school, as long as the one and done thing is a thing, we, we need all the quivers in our, our arrows in our quiver we could possibly have. I, I agree. I
2: will say though, back to the G league thing, Jalen Suggs, anybody who spends a year in college and is really good, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, they make themselves stars they become stars. They are more marketable and have a higher value coming out of one year of college than they will coming out of one year of G League. There has not been a player coming out of G League yet that is is a household name and a name that that is recognized within the world of shoe deals and merchandise deals. It hasn't happened. College affords you that. The NCAA tournament made Johnny Juzang a bit of a star. You know, Suggs, I mean, from Gonzago, got to be on a national footprint. There's a ton that one year in college gives you. But back to the NIL, yeah, I'm with you. It's like, this is where we are. Indiana's a leader in this. I think we can pour gas on the fire at Indiana. Oh, and what I wanted to say back to the financial education, I just think it is so key. If, if Trace Jackson Davis is gonna be making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year on this, if other athletes, if you pick out five, six athletes that can make over 30 grand, they got to know what to do with the money and we have to be able to educate them and that's something the university should have, should provide as well and, and those be, should be classes that earn credit in school because they are life yeah. skills you know yeah. how do you save how do you budget what's an ira account what's a roth ira account what's a 401k what's tax deferred money like that's all really important and and if we're going to be in the business of letting kids monetize while they're there, and in part, they're monetizing the platform that the school is allowing them to have, help these kids make sure that they utilize the money and save it and invest it uh, and grow it as best as possible. I think that that should be part and parcel to this.
1: Amen. Um, that was fun. Something yeah, different. It, it was. It was, uh, you know, I think for those who stuck with it, I, I hope there was enough of us who stuck with it and w- like what a what a great in-depth education on this whole thing. And if that can start to spread out a little bit to the fan base and people start, you know, it, it, I, I do think there's a parallel even when coach Woodson, uh, the whispers of him being hired first started coming around and people's initial reaction was like, ah! and then as soon as they started educating themselves a bit and then the results started coming in, people turned around on that real quickly. And now he's got everybody behind it. And I really think it's a similar situation here where at first it's confusing. You don't know much about the thing and you learn a little bit. You hear from your buddy who heard this podcast or, you know, read something. And you're like, oh, I mean, if I'm, I'm not us, if I'm one of, you know, the hundreds of other schools that don't have the kind of devoted fan base we have, I'm maybe a little more worried about it. But I think we are in such a fortunate position. Very few sports programs of any sport at any university has to offer what Indiana University basketball has. I think football can get there with what Coach Allen is doing. And hey, great, you know, uh, let's let it as while we have this advantage Let's use it and try to get ourselves back on top.
2: Agreed. Follow us on Twitter at who's your hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I, but, but sometimes, sometimes why I tried to go faster on that one. Uh, it seemed like we nailed it yeah, on my it end. Felt good. Felt good. real good. All right. We'll be back at you next week.
0: Who's your man to lead us? Who's not a total dud? Who's your brother bleeding? Crimson blue blood. Who's your man demanding what you want and more? Who's you gotta get us back to the final four? We got to vote for Eric. Man for you and me. We all trust in Eric. Future trustee. If you wanna see the candy stripe back in the promised land, you best just vote for Eric, cause so I know who.